This episode deals with themes of loss and grief, which some listeners may find difficult. You're listening to Amplify, the lockdown sessions. This series of podcasts is brought to you by The Rise Collective, an organisation that champions young creatives and builds collectives at the forefront of social change. In each episode, we aim to explore a different theme via the work of an array of emerging and established artists, curated for your listening pleasure. We hope you enjoy listening. Hello. Hello. Here we are again, Amy Parks. <laughs> Seems appropriate, doesn't it? I don't want to define exactly what I mean by here we are again, because who knows where we'll be when this comes out. <laughs> we are going straight to tier 500, baby. But um, seriously, we're back in lockdown and bored in the house, so consider this a bonus episode before the next generation of Amplify hosts take over. In case you didn't know, this will be our last shambolic episode of Rise for the time being, as we are making way for an exciting new season of podcasts, which I'll explain a little bit about at the end of the episode. So, this week's theme is grief. The past few months, with both the abnormal festivities and just festivities in general, have proved tough for the best of us. The festive period can be especially difficult for those unable to celebrate with loved ones, either due to loss or as a result of current restrictions. Thus, we thought we would discuss ideas surrounding grief and emotional distress in the hope of offering at least some wisdom to those who might find themselves at a loss. If you're part of the park. God, I'm, I'm already panicking. <laughs> no, I've got permission to make that joke, it's okay. <laughs> That's true. Um, yeah, it's a heavy theme, but we're going to try and keep it as light as possible. Ultra lightweight, but also sincere and helpful. Exactly. Once again, we'll be enlisting the help of a range of artists and creatives whose work covers the theme in some way, hopefully offering some insight or at least a little solace for anyone who needs it. So, we chose this theme for a number of reasons. Grief as a topic is something that has been at the forefront of my mind for the past year or so after losing my own mother to cancer. On top of this, I come from an incredibly unlucky group of friends, many of whom have also suffered similarly tragic losses. The pandemic in many ways feels as though it has both blindsided my, and a number of my peers, experience with personal grief, yet simultaneously bringing it to a collective focus. Yeah, this past year has meant that so many of us have had to process this collective distanced grief and for those that have lost someone close to them it can also feel like there's a piece of the puzzle missing because the way that we're experiencing grief now is just not what it used to be Hmm. it's bizarre receiving constant death toll notifications i don't know why i've not turned it off so (laughs) putting that into words i should probably turn it off and that all seeming totally irrelevant to your own personal grief because you're so focused on the loss of your own person, yeah, at the same time, how can it not be applying pressure to your own feelings when we're constantly saturated in that sort of distressing information? Mm -hmm. Totally. The reason we watch the news is to feel informed and aware, but 
at the same time, it does feel like this rolling reminder of death and suffering. And there's this guilt and wanting to turn away from it. It's, it's just a completely different beast. Yeah. It reminds me of this clip in Bob's Burgers. I don't know if that's a niche <laughs> reference or not. Probably not. Where Tina plays um, Mona Nucleosis in a musical about mono and teaches everyone that if they get mono, they will definitely die. I don't know actually too much about like the symptoms of mono or what it is, but it kind of represents like my anxiety waves about getting the Rona. Yeah, the daily death tolls are really not helping anyone's health anxiety. Yeah, obviously I'm not downplaying the severity of the pandemic. It's just like the media's pushing of it right up in my face on my phone all the time. It's like, fuck me, I was just having some toast. <laughs> Suddenly I'm faced with the possibility of mass extinction on a Tuesday morning. Mm, mass extinction is not really table talk, is it, Amy? Yeah, we said we were going to keep it light. Um, okay, first up we have some brand new tracks from London-based rapper Black Oswald. These tracks, Therapy and Revelations, are part of a concept album which finds Oz exploring his own struggles with mental health and his path to recovery. We also get to chat a little bit with Ollie to find out more about the ideas behind the tracks, which we'll play in between. So, without further ado, here's therapy. Hi, sit down. Would you like a drink? So it's been a while since I last saw you. How have things been going? Have you been able to try what we previously spoke about? What's been on your mind? Is this the way that life goes? Is this the path that I chose? Soft misfortune, but from the ashes I rose. In a version, you just have to try and compose yourself and reach a higher state of being. I am a king, that's just something I believe in. A state of mind. Why choose to stay blind when you wait on yours? I take mine as a race. We have the opportunity to nurture all these great minds. An opportunity confined only by a lack of unity. The difference in you and me. Open your eyes and you will see that the words that we speak and the lessons we teach and the gospels we preach spread a message that's bleak and filled with hatred. Don't be manipulated by views that seem outdated. Ambition can be jaded, but try and stay motivated Cause in the end, everything awaited is created Yeah I get the impression it's quite hard for you to open up at the moment, is that right? What do you think is stopping you from being more open about how you're really feeling? Are you okay? It seems like your mind's elsewhere today Hello? So put your faith in the brother And keep a straight face be good to one another, don't doubt it We all control our own fate Nigga, this what I say Don't waste time A peace assembly line Another cog that will be replaced Over time Stress out my mind Trying to contemplate How to concentrate in a world That never takes a break While I suffocate on all this weight I realise that the real eyes Hide the real lies And even that the truth is compromised Comprised the little adaptations That lives preventing liberation For the nation And I'm sick of waiting Cause it's all the same No, nothing's gonna change While we only chasing fame But it's better be beautiful Than to have a big brain This shit's insane I can't take anymore i can only implore that we settle the score the fact of the matter is you cannot ignore the voice of people how should all be equal nah you can't keep us down on the floor strong enough to endure any obstacle we are unstoppable yeah anything is possible when you get your mind straight refrain from getting irate or acting like some primates because we ain't got no time to waste nah no we ain't got no time to waste Today. But we'll keep working together, so hopefully you'll feel more comfortable to 
joining us today Ollie um it's very lovely to have you on the pod so if you could talk us through the concept behind the tracks that we're going to be playing well the two tracks were sort of it was written just after I'd come out of therapy but that's another that's a topic for another time (laughs) but it was sort of just how those few sessions changed my mindset so like therapy's more set before I had gone and during when although I had a good idea of what was going on everything felt quite distant what happens in revelations is that when something clicks and suddenly you're like oh and you can start being a bit more honest with yourself and yeah the honesty is a really important part because I feel like you're really quite open on these tracks about your mental health about how difficult it can be opening up so was it challenging to allow yourself to be this vulnerable during the creative process? Because, do you know what? I think it was a lot easier to open up through these means. Because to me, I was creating something which was artistic and it almost gave me a platform as much as it is so honest and straightforward and it is just sort of my faults. Because it was in the form of a song in art, I could almost detach myself from it and just write freely because anyone could speak those words or, you know, like when people sing back, if they learn the lyrics or whatever, you know, like anyone could be saying those words. Mm. And it was almost like they weren't mine as much as they were <laughs> were very close to home. That's a lovely way of putting it. What do you hope people will take away from the tracks as a pair? So what, what I'm hoping is that people will resonate with both because so the, the way I view it is the first one, I was in a a mind state where all of the problems which I perceived to be going on in my life were external. I just felt like, oh, everyone's just always on my case, you know, blah, blah, blah. Really looking at the source of the problem, you know, which was myself, because you can find something wrong in anything. And I think until you take that time to reflect on not just the decisions you've made, but looking deeper as to why are you making them, And that's what I'm just hoping more people can sort of take away from this. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because it's so easy to make kind of like snap emotional decisions, isn't it? Especially when you're in a negative mind state, you can find wrong in anything. And, you know, it's like even when you're hungry, you get hangry, you know, like someone could say one little thing and it will it'll push you off. And while you're having all these negative thoughts and all of that, it's so easy to push the blame onto all the people around you. And uh, Mm -hmm. yeah, I think that's the one thing that (laughs) opening up really uh, sort of helped out. Yeah, because it allows you to kind of take a step back and look at the bigger picture and be like, actually, no, the whole universe isn't conspiring against me to make my day shit. It's actually just like this happens and it's the way you deal with it instead. And I think that's Um, that's the main point. I think it's just the, the disparity between before I actually took the time to think about it to after just how I deal with things because what I was trying to say is my mindset hasn't changed as such but how I deal with the way that I feel that's where the major difference is Mm -hmm. yeah like approaching things with a bit more clarity I guess yeah definitely 
So in Revelations, you also mentioned themes of addiction and substance issues, relapse, you know, on the road to recovery. And I think a lot of people in recovery feel this like weird kind of sense of grief or loss. Like you still remember the warm and like easy and fun parts of your unhealthy habits or like the friendships that you created during that time. So I guess in relation to the podcast's theme of grief, do you feel like you um, experienced a sense of loss for the person that you were before? And how do you cope with that? Or what advice would you give to somebody who is dealing with that? So so for me, it's a, it's a really, um, that, that was a big part, like growing up as I went through things. At the time, I didn't realise that it was just a means to escape. And I would never turn around. Even if I could go back, I wouldn't change it because that's how I got to where I am today, you know, like as much as they were terrible decisions, you know. <laughs> but my advice to anyone doing it is just just remember, like, you, you can try and run and you can have these habits, but, you know, like, you're not getting away from the, the real fact. And I think just being able to turn around and sort of just wipe your hands a bit. And like, I'm not saying uh, you're in the wrong for it. I just think you've got to go easy on yourself. It's going to be hard at first, but who you are is not defined by what you do in the sense of if you think you're a party animal and you're going out doing whatever, you're still going to be the same person, even if you got clean, you know, like it's a, yeah, it's yeah. going to go away. So I can tell you that for a fact. <laughs> and other people also might not understand. They just see whoever you present to them at whatever party, you know, when you're like full of energy, like blah, blah, blah. And then they don't see the negative. It's a, it's a big part of it because um, all these good times you end up just chasing and you're chasing this, this feeling and getting deeper and deeper into this hole. Yeah. And, um, and if you are struggling with your mental health, you know, having all these highs and then dropping back to the lows, then back to the highs, it's not doing you any favours. When you're in a clear mindset, go out, have a drink, but don't drink to escape. That's my... Yeah. Top advice. Don't chase the night. <laughs> yeah, that's it. In therapy, you say that being a king is a state of mind. What do you mean by that? So this this line has a lot of duality for me. At the time, I believed I was a king, but for all of the wrong reasons. <laughs> like it, it was like um the the whole fact of like I'll take what I want at the time. You know I'll take what's mine because I believe I am a king. You know I, I was going out doing what I wanted. If anyone wasn't with me, alright, you can sort of you know like that. That was my mindset, and it's like I still now like that line hits me different because I realise you are the king of yourself, you know, like you you are what you rule over. There are only cert- certain things that are in your control and you've got to stop trying to have control of everything, you know, like. So, yeah, it's not. it wasn't really such a positive line as much as, like, it comes across that way. It was, um, it was before I sort of took that time to realise just doing what you want doesn't make you a king, you know, just being yeah. able to yeah. live free and recklessly that's not what a king would do you know um so yeah it's a bit of a jaw line that one yeah that's super interesting because the way that I interpreted it wasn't that like positive way so to hear you say that it had like that duality is so interesting it's because uh, the duality comes after the fact it's like at the time I thought it was super positive because I was super confident and like you know 
if any, anyone you meet, you they will tell you I'm the most confident, but I'm, I'm anxious as anything. <laughs> I feel like I, I overcompensate. It, 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 it is a positive thing, but there was a bit of duality behind behind that line for me. It's like putting on like a mask, isn't it? Yeah, it's not the real you. It's like that belief of um, you're invincible, you know? Yeah. differently dark nights only tend to spark epiphanies future sight with this visceral imagery but every day i see a different me and it's hard to explain when every day is shrouded in a numbness to pain i never really doubted that the feelings remain but i couldn't have ever counted on it bringing such disdain to my life twisted words seven nerves deep like a knife as on earth, kill the verve, peak in the strife, crack seep in the light, can't sleep on this plight, uneasy despite all these things looking bright. Yeah. I'm uneasy despite all these things looking bright. Yeah. I'm uneasy despite. Yeah. And it's been a hot minute. How can you really care when your heart's not in it? Yeah, my energy's diminished. Holding on to everything unfinished Yeah, some things are best left unsaid Hiding in the recesses inside my head Solace in the fact that they can make their bed Later rest, only leave behind the skin they shed I can't win, they said, penned in instead Like an animal pining for the spring ahead Eyes filled with dread Yeah, a fear that I won't make it uh, That if I get a chance I probably won't take it that if you give your heart, I'm probably gon' break it These kind of feelings hella toxic, let's face it The only answer's to erase it, yeah Probably going out on my mind It's hard to see a future when it's blurred by the lines On earth things are fine, birth redefined I got a new vision but I'm still living blind Cause it's so easy to relapse Looking for some substance that will fill in all these gaps I'm sick of the recap I already know what I've done Consequences of the lies that I've spun Consequences of the lies I've undone Wreaking havoc like I'm fired from a gun Seeking forgiveness but my time's overrun One by one Yeah my days fade to grey And what little light remains soon fades away my thoughts lead me astray, but I will still find my way, yeah, but I will still find my way, yeah, but I will still find my way.
Amazing. Thank you so much, Ollie, for chatting with us and allowing us to play your tracks. I thought that was a really nice conversation. Mm. We'll link all of his socials below so that you can find him. I like Revelations. I think it's good. I think, Ollie, talking about getting angry at anything when you're in a negative space is a, a key point of access in this situation. Redistributing and repurposing your own emotions that you're unable to process onto other people during something like grief or even the times we're in now can be quite catastrophic when you don't even really feel low because the sadness is like that deep that can manifest as like the most manic (laughs) behavior that you're unable to like pinpoint the root of but you know what the root of it is (laughs) yeah it's, it's mad how stress depression or grief can manifest themselves in different ways And like we touched on in that interview, recovery from mental health struggles is a really complex thing. It's not a one-size-fits-all where you work on this one aspect of yourself and suddenly you're a happy person. It's a messy, multifaceted process that I suspect never really ends. Yeah, yeah. And I do honestly think self-reflection is super important. Just taking a step back and acknowledging what you're displaying might be a result of something else. Of course, not everything has to be a consequence of something else, but quite often it is. Yeah. Part of the process is definitely learning to be more disciplined with recognising and understanding those emotional reactions. Yeah, there's a lot to think about in in those two tracks. Yeah. Thanks, Ollie. This sounds deep. But I swear I feel personally discriminated against by uh, grief Instagram pages Mm. and books as well. Not everyone feels sad or melancholy, like emotional turmoil and distress has many facets. Yeah, this is very, very true. Some that we can't even identify as facets. All the pages I follow, naming no names, as I'm sure they're helpful, (laughs) are always super... Yeah, Uh, this is not probably not a good, not a good like some rampage against grief pages. They're always like super melancholy, beautifully written, but always tragically, tragically sad submissions. Yeah, yeah like perfectly polished sound bites of grief. Yeah. They always say in their bio, open to submissions, but I do feel most of them offer a curated version. Whereas they're like punchy inappropriate, (laughs) unsettling representation. Isn't that the OG problem with Instagram anyway, though? The curation of it all? Because, like, it never gets into the ugliness of things. Yeah, yeah. I mean, maybe my submissions have just been terrible. Anyway, what kind of person would I be if I began to troll troll a grief page? (laughs) No, I think it's legitimate to feel a sense of frustration about it, as you say. It might be helpful to some people to see that portrayal of grief, but when you ignore the hot messiness and the humanity of such an overwhelming experience, it has to be isolating for the people that aren't experiencing it in that way. Hot messiness. Hundred <laughs> percent. How yeah. else can I describe? Doing, nah, nah, it's good. It's good. It's good. <laughs> I like it. Hundred. I'm sure it's helpful. But like all things, there's always room to represent more people. There's always more people's narratives that are being missed. We could go on forever. I just want like a manic comic grief space. You know, they're like 
I props got thrushed because I was so stressed because I internalised it all. And then I got so drunk, I told someone I loved them, even though I didn't even like them at all. And then, like, <laughs> fell out of a window. You know what I mean? That's what I want to read. Yeah, I would read the shit out of that. I think, I think you need to be that representative. <laughs> yeah, it's a wild old ride. Also, how mad is this? I was walking in Nunhead Cemetery the other day with my housemate and she wanted to find out where her family member was buried. Where, because we found out that they were buried in there and we wanted to find, like, where, like, this, like, distant family member. Mm -hmm. But you have to pay to find out where your family (laughs) member is. That is so wrong. How can you blatantly capitalise on (gasps) grief like that? That's so bizarre. Hang on. I forgot that funerals exist. Blatant capitalisation on grief is the standard (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah this might sound a bit nutty but i definitely feel like death is romanticized in many ways in films and tv especially when it comes to funerals Mm -hmm. i would be a liar if i didn't admit that i romanticized in my own head what her funeral would be like i know it sounds bloody awful but it's the truth (laughs) (laughs) it doesn't sound awful in our culture death is portrayed as much as possible to be this neat, tragic package. You don't see the reality on film or TV. You see the condensed, curated version that exists purely just to push a storyline along or pull some strings emotionally. Exactly. And so what ends up being missed out is the visceral and clinical nature of it. I don't think that's... I don't think I see that written about enough. I never see that, actually. Fanfare aside, the actual, you know, like, medical bits that you have to experience... Um, have you seen Waves? No, I haven't. What's it about? Uh, I think it came out last year. Maybe it was 2019. It's pretty much the only example I can think of off the top of my head where those bits are actually represented. It's quite difficult to watch, but I didn't feel like I was watching a uh, like a neatly packaged expiry. <laughs> um, either neatly or horrifically packaged, like I often do when they're represented in film. Anyway. Yeah, I'll have to check it out. But yeah, I can imagine the gap between the reality of your lived experience and the idealised version of events portrayed in these shows and films can be quite jarring. Yeah, sure. Nothing is real, man. (laughs) Everything is a simulation. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Um, We have a very beautiful submission next, which I think really flows on quite nicely from our discussion um, and what we think the current conversation surrounding grief is lacking. This poem, entitled Mother's Morphine, offers a succinctly honest representation of a very tragic loss. Mother's Morphine Mother's Morphine is being injected. Veins perspire the pain of the central nervous system. Yellow sclerae oscillate. The daughter is the final Byzantine facsimile. The last dose of neurological numbing People say hearing is the last sense to go. One breath drew in matter familiar's earth. No emission. Wait. A deep nasal inspire. You keep nonplussing. Mute, stagnant air. Subsequently followed. Mother's departure. Mother's morphine was believing she can pan her funeral when she gets back home. Her last semi-conscious notion of life was this. Begging me for morphine, hydrocodone, oxycodone, fentanyl. 
That was beautiful. I really appreciated the way that she grounded it in her immediate experience. Like, for example, using the clinical terms, the names of her mum's medicines, and the kind of visceral physicality of what she was describing is the complete opposite of the stuff that we were talking about or complaining about earlier. Because, like, it's uncomfortable to hear, but at the same time, it's, it's real. Thank you for sharing that, Aliki. Beautifully articulate. Aliki is a 23-year-old Goldsmiths graduate living in South London. Her mother tragically passed away in 2014 after a short battle with terminal cancer. She was just 45. Aliki is currently applying for funding for a script she's working on and is co-founder of the art collective Dorsia. Under Dorsia, they have published two volumes of their zine entitled Ceviche, which contains work from works from artists from around the world across a multitude of mediums. You can find and support Dorsia through their website, which will be linked on our socials and in the description of this podcast, as always. I feel also like the politicisation of death and grief has been brought to the forefront uh, this year, especially, obviously, especially uh, in the US. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, everything is politics and everything, but (laughs) I totally agree that these inequalities have been highlighted by the pandemic, not just through the lens of Black Lives Matter and the continuation of the movement this year, but also through the very empirical realisation that these socioeconomic inequalities have real life and death consequences. Yeah, and it's not as if any of these issues are new. Um, Mm. Perhaps naively, we are lucky enough to not have been exposed uh, at such levels uh, to them. COVID's definitely brought that into focus, I think. That's true. And I'm sure for many who have lost someone during the pandemic or before, It can seem like your own loved one's death is politicised or overshadowed by the circumstances under which it occurred. I don't know, but I could imagine that the individual experience of grief might be affected or undermined by everything else going on at the minute. Mm. People who suffer losses due to uncorona-related causes must have largely the same experience, like unable to attend funerals or visit hospitals. Um, unless it's a private hospital, which you can probably pay for. Um, so the pandemic is unfortunately wheedling its way into these individual experiences, even though they're seemingly totally unrelated. Mm-hmm, for sure. Some of the most heartbreaking stories for me have been the ones about people who have had to forego treatments, operations and things like that due to the pandemic. It must be a special kind of grief for the families of the people who might otherwise have had more time. Yeah, 100%. Also, when you lose someone regardless of cause, personal grief is personal as hell. Mm. Like, it assumes that everyone must understand death in the same capacity you do with regards to your massive loss because it's your loss, it's your person. So when such a bloody major life-altering experience like corona bloody virus comes along and steals the limelight, I don't know, it's like, mm, no, babe. <laughs> I'm still sad. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's an extra layer of mindfuckery for sure. You don't expect to literally have to deal with the world turning upside down when you're already going through something so huge. And I'm sure that can leave you grieving, not only for that person, but for a different world, a different mm. like way of living that you now can't help but associate with that person, yeah. which is just extra pain on top of what you're already feeling. Exactly, exactly. You already crave to return to the time that that person existed in. But now it's like this ultimate superlative fairy dreamland of freedom, especially if they died shortly before the pandemic. 
Also, back to the hyper-polarised emotions grief makes you feel without necessarily realising, it becomes as though um, the pandemic just simply wouldn't have happened if that person was alive. Talk about pedestals there. <laughs> that, that's probably just insane. I feel like I'm insane. But that's how my brain feels. <laughs> You're not insane. No, I get that kind of escapist thought. There's also, like, these feelings of loss in that you wish this person was there to experience this with you, especially if you were close. And especially, especially at this time of year, when so many people are reconnecting with their families, staying at their childhood homes, etc. Um, yeah, that loss is really punctuated. Yeah, yeah. It's the extremities and the irrationalities that are the hardest to navigate. Hmm. Do you think that it's important to have someone to help you through, to help you mediate those extremities? Um, yeah, I sampled a therapist. <laughs> Just a free trial. How yeah. was that? It was, literally, it was a free trial. It was an NHS one. <laughs> um, I don't know, I felt like I'd been prescribed this woman that I battled mm. so hard to get. Like, literally battled, like, had to ham it up. And then all she does is, like, sigh and reply <laughs> to anything I say with, how was that for you? And it's like... How was what? <laughs> How was what for me? <laughs> um, yeah, and she used to spend the first five minutes of the call, like, clinking shit, like, in her kitchen. Like, obviously, like, making a cup of tea. So I'm, like, you know, so about to, like, go into, like, some in-depth, like, uh, tale about, you know, my deceased mother. And it's like... <laughs> like it's, it's, stop Actually, fucking no. sighing. Why are you sighing? <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> Yeah, the underfunding of the NHS mental health services, man. We could make a whole podcast on that topic uh, alone, but that's for another day. Never again. I feel like I've just shot all over therapy, which is absolutely not what I'm doing. Jokes aside, it's definitely, definitely helpful to be provided the space to talk about something because your friends aren't your therapist. This podcast is not my therapist. <laughs> <laughs> therapy does provide that space. Um yeah. Well, sometimes it is actually bullshit and that's okay too. Yeah. Except for right now where we're going to talk to a therapist <laughs> who is wonderful. <laughs> Good save. Uh, so yeah, we've got a special interview for you guys now with Alice Spencer, who Rise followers might know from our series around mental health, Rise's Guide to Self-Preservation. Alice is an amazing poet, writer and counsellor who sat down with us to chat about grief. And we had so much to say that it was impossible to fit it into this episode, but you can find more of Alice's wise words in her blog, which we will link after the interview. Thank you, Alice, for joining us today to chat about grief. So tell us a little bit about your journey to becoming a counsellor. So what inspired you to go down that route? It was like maybe four or five years ago I started to think about what I wanted to do with my life. I started off teaching but actually I felt like I wasn't helping enough Um, I really wanted to help people at the core um, and I've been through a lot in my life um, and spent many years doing therapy myself. I had art therapy, I've had talking therapies and it really helped me now when I look back and I realise how far I've come. It's a lot to do with the therapy that I had as a child um, and I really wanted to give back and counselling felt like the best way to do that. I feel like for me personally, I've been through a lot in my life and I feel like that was to eventually be able to help other people who'd also been through a lot. So that's why I chose to do counselling. That's beautiful. What's been the most like challenging aspect and the most rewarding aspect of your journey? 
Um, having to look inside myself has been really hard. Um, to be able to be a counsellor and to counsel, you have to know yourself. Um, it's very introspective. You have to become quite self-aware and reflective and kind of go to the deepest, darkest parts of yourself. Um, I found that a real challenge. Um, you spend a lot of time working out your own prejudices and biases um, and parts of yourself that you don't really like. And it's that's quite uncomfortable. It's an uncomfortable place to be. Um, but it's actually really vital to be able to be non-judgmental, be non-biased and working with other people. So that's been, I think, the most challenging aspect for me. And I don't think I expected to have to do that either. Um, and also I had to do a lot of self-disclosure. So at uni, you'd have to be the client to practice mm. what it was like to be in your client's shoes. So it's so hard you sit in a room full of 20 people and talk about real life issues that you're going through. Oh, I felt God. so vulnerable and my face was red. Oh, um, yeah. That was really hard. Um, but I understand it now because how can I expect someone to speak to me if I don't know how to speak to someone else? Um, and the most rewarding, I think, is seeing people become empowered. You get to build really deep relationships with people. You're in a really privileged position because people trust you with their issues. And the whole point of counselling is to be able to offer like clarity and perspective and to help empower other people. So to see people come back to me like weeks later or a session later and say, oh my gosh, I've done this and I feel so much better about this. It just feels so good to know that I've helped people become more empowered, I think. That does sound really rewarding. We obviously talked about you doing a series called Rise's Guide to Self-Preservation, which was a series of short videos started in lockdown at the beginning of the pandemic, the first wave. And we covered themes of stress, worry, of feeling unsafe in your home. We covered a lot as well about themes of grief. Do you think the pandemic has affected the way that people grieve? Yeah, I guess it has. I think, especially because of the restrictions, you know, during lockdown, mm-hmm. and there was restrictions on how many people could go to a funeral, how, you know, we couldn't go into each of these houses. It's restricted maybe how people have wanted to grieve or how they might choose to grieve. So if they wanted to go to the funeral or if they want to be around people, you know, they love and be around family and they've not been able to do that. Mm. So I can imagine that must be really hard. I guess just isolation, people being by themselves, makes people experience everything in a different way. Mm. Like all emotions seem like three times as powerful when you're sat by yourself because you don't have anyone to bounce stuff off but there's like there's nothing you can do to make it better or even having someone there to be like it's okay it's going to be okay when you don't have that there it can become like super super overwhelming or people not being able to see their families people that are grieving the same person um sort of all being separated in that way I imagine is is pretty difficult yeah I can imagine and to add on that I guess there's been less distraction you know Mm-hmm. When you can yeah. go to work with people working from home then you're yeah. just sat in the same room again you can't just go out and about you know day trips or whatever it is that makes you feel a bit better that's mm-hmm. no longer there so, so I think like you said it becomes more concentrated there's this phrase that my mum used to tell me well I suppose it it definitely applies to grief which is like you can look at it you can feel it you can you know like toy with it for a while but don't camp with it so you've got to like feel it like let yourself feel it and then walk away and leave that situation and the issue is with like lockdowns and stuff like that is you can't walk away from that situation that that I think is 
is the major way that that has changed and also like when you think about like elderly people as well I suppose elderly people wouldn't wouldn't go to work in the first place would they they get to like totter around and go outside to yeah coffee shop and stuff I know yeah. there's people in my like immediate family that have just hated lockdown and tried everything to leave their house even yeah. against like the rules from um my experience anyway a lot of old people are being far less abiding by the rules than the young people yeah. I know um which is like not what you would expect but like my grandma is bloody determined to go to the co-op and has been since the beginning of lockdown <laughs> and it absolutely does my head in like really determined and like walks the dog like as far as she possibly can and like what can you do yeah what can you do and that's her routine anyway also I also think that she's probably in the mindset that's like fuck it I'm so old anyway (laughs) (laughs) like I'm not gonna like sit inside for a year and I feel like as well you know we're social creatures like we're not made to be alone like we've got friends we've got family and we want to be around people it's not normal to then just be sat inside the house all day so I completely and my nan is the same she's like oh yeah I'm going to the shop I'm like no you're not (laughs) but like I fully understand why they do still want to go out and about because we're not we're not supposed to just sit at home all day. It's not yeah. normal and it's it's really bad. It's so bad for mental health. So what would the best piece of advice you can offer someone who has experienced a loss at this time be? Yeah, I think to be really kind to yourself. I think some days you're going to feel it. You might feel it um, really strongly. And other days you might not really feel it that much. And yeah. there's no right or wrong way to feel grief. Um, but I would say there are healthy ways and unhealthy ways to deal with that grief. Um, I'd say like go for walks, you know, get out and exercise, find ways to distract yourself. If that's like getting a new hobby, I think distractions can be really good. Um, you know, speak to your friends on the phone um, let yourself like maybe like journal. Journaling is quite helpful. I think allow yourself to feel as well. It's those feelings can feel really uncomfortable and horrible and heavy, but they're also really important. So if you're feeling them, just let yourself feel. And if you're not feeling them, don't make yourself feel guilty. I think in the past I felt like that. So I lost both my mum and my dad, and they were both very different experiences. And I've grieved for them in very different ways. So for my dad, I didn't really cry as much, and I felt really guilty for not crying about him or you know, not feeling really overwhelmed, but actually there's no right or wrong way. They're different relationships and so you're gonna grieve in different ways. So I think just go with how you're feeling and just be kind to yourself. Um, But I'd also say as well, like definitely reach out to people. Even if you don't wanna talk about that death, you might just wanna talk about what you're watching or just have a, you know, a conversation about whatever it is. We were having just this conversation the other day when Chloe, you were telling me about how you felt the way that you were grieving or the way that you expressed your grief wasn't the way that other people wanted to see it. Yeah, I'm, I'm probably, I feel like I'm um, the worst example of a grieving person a lot of the time because it seems to manifest in like, just like the, like just the wrong way. Like it just, I've always been like so bubbly and so social and like super lighthearted and like, and it just like hit me like a truck and I've become like impatient, irritable. Um, I think I've become over emotional, but in the wrong way. Whereas like people say things to me that a year ago I would just be like, whatever. Like someone will say something so minute to me and then it will just knock me out for like a couple of days. It's just totally unstable. 
Yeah. But it makes sense that it's going to change aspects of your personality or how you might behave because it's this massive life altering thing that you had no control over. Mm. Um, so I think it's completely, well, completely normal and justifiable. That makes sense that you might be more like ir- irritable or less sociable because that's going to happen. I d- yeah, I don't know. I just didn't think it would affect me in this way. I thought that it was going to be like quite like a boxed thing mm. where like I would like be sad about that specific issue and like look at the, you know, the the like loss of my mother and like look at that and like think about her and like be sad in that way. But I re- rarely think about her and that sounds awful, but it's just all these other like weird things that, that I do. Like I get compulsive about things. Um, yeah. It's just like not what it said on the tin, <laughs> not what I signed up for. <laughs> it rarely is, is it? I remember, I think I wrote, I got a blog and I wrote about it in my blog. Um, my, so my mum had cancer and so we knew she was going to die. But I remember before she died, I remember sitting there like at the banister, crying my eyes out and being like, oh my gosh, when she dies, it's going to be the worst thing that ever happens to me. I'm going to cry all day, every day. I'm not going to be able to move from this place. I'm going to just cry. And that's not what it was and it really surprised me that it's not what you imagine I just thought I'd be this like crying mess yeah 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 so I I got so pissed at the funeral it was it was such a party like it was literally I didn't cry once it was like I mean it was it was like it was literally insane I got kicked out of the wake I know that's probably like (laughs) disrespectful but it went off me and my friends got battered we were we had the best night ever and it's exactly what she would have wanted but I had like this big like I'd envisioned it before it happened like mm-hmm. what I was going to wear it was all very cinematic <laughs> very sad and everyone was going to be you know everyone was going to be like looking on being like oh, she's so brave and it was going to be like this huge thing and it just wasn't it was just like a friggin' huge piss up on like a Saturday afternoon and like no tears <laughs> were shed <laughs> from me anyway um doesn't hit you like you expect it at all mm-hmm. back to the pandemic though the concept of like mass loss is something that we haven't experienced in our lifetime so that's kind of a weird concept to wrap your head around this mass loss with something like cancer it feels so unique all the time because it manifests in the body in such a you know my mum died of breast cancer and so did my my best friend's mother um about three or four months ago now god it was like yesterday and um even though they both died of the same thing it manifests in very different ways you know like the way it uh, spreads and what happens and whatever but with coronavirus is is just like mind-blowing that like so many people can be dying of of the same thing in such a short space of time yeah I think it's all going back to what you said about it being quite unique. When someone dies, for example, say when my mum died, I had loads of people around me supporting me because I was the one that lost a mother, so everyone's around me. But then because so many people are dying at the same time and we're all going through this crisis together, I could imagine that maybe people feel a bit alone in that. Um, I don't know if people have got all that energy to be able to give to someone who's just lost someone because they're also struggling with their own stuff. Yes, 100%. And I think... I mean, I don't know if you feel the same way. Like, obviously, we're at, like, different stages in 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 grief entirely. But my best friend lost his mother. She was actually training uh, other doctors to work on the COVID ward. So she was literally in the pandemic and then, unfortunately, passed away of cancer. And I have been thinking that 
I haven't had the energy and I don't think a lot of our group have had the energy or even uh, the tools to support him in the way that he needs because we can't be tactile you know you can't like hold someone or be like super physical with someone Mm. in this situation and that can be also difficult for me I almost feel like the pandemic has robbed me of my my time to have the grief limelight when it was really raw you know everyone sends you millions of gifts and everyone wants to talk about it all the time yeah personally I feel it's harder a year later because all the presence of stops yeah. everyone's gone quiet and suddenly you realize that you're still alone but yeah I'm sure there's a lot of people that might have lost people during or before the pandemic to non-coronavirus related issues mm-hmm. who feel like they've been robbed of that that time yeah yeah I'm sure. it's like people forget yeah. um but then obviously yeah. you don't forget because it's it's your thing yeah yeah exactly and 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 even now like for me it's been a a year for you and people have kind of forgotten or that's kind of died down it's been 15 years for me but for me I still miss my mum probably the same way yeah people probably don't think that anymore she's like 15 years she's over it now we we move on you know like but actually for you you don't move on because that's your person yeah Yeah. that's your mum forever I can get yeah so true like I start getting really upset about the prospect of my like potential unborn children and potential future husband's mother making my kids lunch that upset (laughs) me I was like I don't want some other grandma getting involved with my children I was like no they will never go to his parents house and my housemate was like you she was like why are you thinking about that and then I I started welling up and she was like why are you getting upset about that that's the most bizarre like off the cuff like reason to start crying about your mom <laughs> she was like you don't even have a boyfriend <laughs> it, no I, it com- I completely agree with that like it's like really random it comes at really random times doesn't it or, like you think of really random things like there's one time I was my mum really liked carrot cake and I was yeah. eating carrot cake and I was just like she loved carrot cake so much but like sobbing <laughs> over this carrot game but I was like fine five minutes before I wasn't even thinking about it and, like, and people are like are you okay you know, yeah. <laughs> okay. it's just yeah it's so random yeah but it's important it's important to be able to laugh about it especially when it's instances like carrot cake just to round off the interview because I think we're running out of time as well. Um, what's the best piece of advice that you would give to to someone who is unsure about how to support a grieving friend? You know what, I think at normal, I think when people are grieving, they want normality. And I don't know about you, um, Chloe, if you've noticed this, but at first people would be really weird around me. Like, oh, can I say that? Oh, can I mention my mum's name? Oh, am I allowed to do that? And I just wanted people to be normal with me. Um, sometimes I just want to sit and have a normal conversation on the phone or, you know, not talk about all oh, the elephant in the room. Yeah. Um, don't be afraid of them. You know, we're, we're not like, it's really fragile person that you can't talk to or mention mums around or, you know, mention, oh, do you know what I mean? Just like, yeah. just be normal. That's all, I think that's really important because, we're going through a time where it's not normal at all and life is completely changed and it's so important to have some normality whatever that is some sort of routine or you know something familiar mm-hmm. so I think don't be afraid and also you know ask ask your friend what do you want from me 
Mm. Um, you know, I think don't be afraid to ask like what their needs are and what what you can actually do for them as well. I think is really yeah. Important. Mm-hmm. That asking asking I think is a is a is yeah. a really good one. Is there one thing that you wish, Chloe, that someone would have done? I mean, obviously, you're never going to turn around like all of those presents and free dinners and stuff. <laughs> yeah. That's just nice, isn't it? Yeah, do that as well. <laughs> yeah, do that as well. Um, but yeah, asking, especially now. I mean, I'm sure you can relate, Alice. When a year's passed, fifteen years passed, five years, ten years, it's nice when p- people make you feel like that that hasn't been forgotten because it's such a big thing for you. It's nice for someone to say, however many years down the line you know how how are you how are you feeling today but like a how you how are you feeling today? you know what I mean and they're yeah. like actually you know I'm really fucking sad <laughs> that's nice and I don't think people do that enough yeah don't be afraid to reach out I think so what do you think you've learned about yourself through your personal journey with grief I think this is an important question to me because I really realized how resilient I am and that's something that I don't think I realized before their death um and I feel like I, it's like you tap into somewhere new that you didn't know existed inside of you and it's like you go into like survival mode I don't know what it is I don't know if we all have it we definitely all have it but like where you just you just been able to be really resilient and strong um and I think I really learned that about myself that actually I really do believe now that I actually can get through anything and that sounds so like oh, I can get through anything but I really do think that I can yeah. um I just think we're all so strong and we have like all these survival coping mechanisms inside of us and they all manifest in different ways, but we have them. Um, and I think it's just been able to trust yourself that like, if you are going through anything now or something might happen, trust that you actually, you actually are going to be okay. Um, and I think this would be in the fact that it's been so long for me now. It's been 15 years since my mum died. It's such a long time, but at the same time, sometimes it only feels like, I don't know, last year. But in that time, I've really learned, like, you will encounter so many different changes and your grief is going to change so much. But at the end of it, you're going to be fine. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think I just want to leave you with that word of wisdom. Was a lovely place to leave us. Thank you so much for joining us, Alice. Thank you. Thank you. God, I despise my use of the word bubbly in that. <laughs> what have I become? <laughs> um, we had to edit that quite severely because I didn't want it to end. Yeah. A massive, massive thank you to Alice for coming to talk to us. You can find more from her on her personal blog, which is called A Path to Self-Actualization, and over on insideoutwellbeing.org, where you can find her monthly blog posts, and we'll link everything in the podcast description for you to check out. Honestly, like at the end of that chat, I just wanted to be a fly on the wall listening to you mm-hmm. too. Yeah, shared experience provides an almost subconscious understanding that makes you feel uh, super connected to someone, especially if it's trauma-related. Mm-hmm. Um, I adore her positivity. With regards to the resilience she was talking about at the end, of course, no one wants to experience something that forces them to need resilience, but she is right. I mean, I certainly feel kind of, you know, fuck it, bring it on attitude towards life that I wasn't, um, that wasn't in me or I I can readily access um, pre-mum. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's duality in everything, I guess, without 
Without leaning too deep into the cliches, I think the only silver lining there is that you can find new strength through horribly, horribly painful experiences. Mm. Um, there are a few things that I'd like to share that I genuinely find helpful in dealing with grief, non-prescribed but tried and tested. Um, so friends in general, not talking about loss with them, but just being friends with them. Running, I know it's a bore, but I found it genuinely helps when I feel incredibly claustrophobic in my mind and the longing to feel something other than numbness that often comes with grief can be alleviated by a big burst of serotonin. Like, run like you're running away from something. Don't jog, like, run. Um, the goal for me is always to, like, collapse at the end entirely. Mm. That's probably not good. In relation to numbness as well, I found stints of being totally sober super helpful in balancing my anxieties. And the overriding coping mechanism for me is humour. There's some really great comedians who've experienced loss and offer a real blunt perspective. Robert Webb has expressed some wonderful words in relation to grief, which has certainly lightened my head. Music, of course, goes out saying, it's the world's greatest space maker for feeling, even articulating emotions you didn't know you were processing. Mm. I think it was last episode we were chatting about your newfound love for rapidly sprinting everywhere you go. (laughs) (laughs) Which, as as someone who's run probably twice in her life, I deeply admire. Um, And it sounds really, really simple, but sometimes life after trauma really is just about going through the motions and doing what little bits you can. Just doing your best, really, to continue existing while you're waiting for the heaviness to ease. Yeah, Silly little tasks. (laughs) We shall be reposting some other resources for dealing with grief on top of what we've discussed today across the various social platforms. On that note as well, if you haven't already, do take a look at Rise's Guide to Self-Preservation, the series that Alice created, um, which you can find on our socials and YouTube channel because there's lots of valuable advice there. Excellent. Hopefully that was relatively concise and that we handled the topic in an appropriate manner. And how is that for you? Pretty <laughs> <really laughs> disgusting. <everything. laughs> oh, I try my best. Okie dokie. <laughs> Uh, yeah, there's been a huge pleasure making these podcasts for Rise, and I'm genuinely so excited to see what the next group of hosts and producers will have in store for you. So just to give you a quick overview, the next Amplify series will be produced by uh, actor, poet and writer Arden Fitzroy, and it features a really, really talented group of hosts whose identities will soon be revealed. Yeah, it sounds like a really exciting series, and that will be coming very soon. Very exciting. Thanks for listening to us. Yeah. Right. Enjoy your lockdowns, everyone. We're off. Special thanks to Black Oswald, the leaky Rutidi term.